Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all new Rate Shield Approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield Approval is a real game changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part if rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. It's Thursday, December 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Bill Mann and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we feeling? Howdy. Well, we were talking earlier, and I'm not sure that Jason and I have ever been on the program together at the same time. You know what? I think maybe we might have done a Motley Fool Money at one point. Together, that's that's perhaps. probably true, but I don't think but that yeah, we've been I, on Market I, Foolery. So, this is a big moment for everyone. This is a banner moment. I like this. This is like one of those, I'm trying to think of an analogy. It's like Laverne and Shirley coming on Happy Days or something like that. Something maybe like the, that. Maybe the moment that uh, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray are, are in Caddyshack together. Yes, at, I think that's better. Right. Right, like <laughs> yeah, because the story behind that was such that they had like such a tight window to do that, and, and top it off with the guys didn't really get along all so, that well either. So same, okay, good, yeah. good. Except same, well, good. I th- I'd like to say that Bill and I get along famously. So okay, well Capitally. you know what? We're going to be talking about friends oh. later in this show. You see yeah. what I did there? Friends with a capital F. Nice segue. Netflix shelling out some big bucks just to keep friends, and we have some thoughts on that. Well, much like friends, Mac. Just remember for our investors. We'll be there for you. Oh, that is so sweet. That was terrible and nauseating. Yeah. <laughs> it was not as bad as Max Elevator puns from the other 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 That's day, right. though. And we're also going to be talking about Dan some high tech intrigue. But guys, let's start with a story that you may have heard before: the stock market selling off. At the time of our taping, um, the market down big on Wednesday. Jason, thoughts for investors? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, this is one of those situations where I really am actually extremely thankful for being able to go through the Great Recession as an investor, because it's helped me develop a very, very thick skin for stuff like this. And really, uh, we know that the day-to-day machinations of the market often aren't going to make sense. There are plenty of reasons out there to be somewhat skeptical, at least. Uh, We like to invest with the glass half full here. You know that. Our listeners know that. Uh, With that said, I mean, you've got a lot of headlines out there that start begging some questions, whether it's tariffs or whether it's that dreaded yield curve inversion. Uh, Perhaps the economy is is tightening up a little bit here. Unemployment can't get much lower. Mac, we got consumers out there in in just loads and loads of debt. I mean, non-house Non-housing consumer debt jumped up eighty-eight billion dollars in the third quarter. You know, you pick your poison there, but but again, I think when you look back to the longer term, uh, the numbers bear it out. You got you got to stay patient in times like these, and perhaps yeah. even look to uh, invest in some of your favorite businesses in times like these, and uh, trust that uh, over the longer haul, things will will get better. You know what, Mac? Over the last ten years, we basically have been in a market where there has been a Fed put underneath the stock market, underneath the bond market. They've kept rates at almost close to zero. And at some point in time, what they've been trying to do is to bring inflation back into the market. And this has happened. I mean, I don't think that there's anyone who would argue that things are not much more expensive than they were two years ago, five years ago. Uh, even though the way that they measure inflation, maybe it hasn't completely, you know, it hasn't completely shown up yet. At some point, 
the market has to get off of the ventilator of having that Fed put. And with the rate hikes, that's what's happening now. And it's going to cause a little bit of, uh, you know, there are going to be bumps, there's going to be turbulence. We are getting back into a normal market, which feels bad, right? Like we're, we're you know, we don't, we're not getting pure oxygen anymore. It feels bad, but we. Really, we're in an okay place. You know, I mean, wages are up. Uh, inflation is generally a pretty good sign, but it's not necessarily good for a market that's been uh, living off of you know basically everyone being nervous about it going down. Okay. Well, speaking of turbulence, and Jason, speaking of headlines that beg questions, we have some high tech intrigue with Chinese tech giant Ooh. Huawei. On Saturday, Canada arrested Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou who is also the daughter of the founder of the company. Now, Bill, yeah. the arrest came at the request of the United States, so she's now facing extradition to the U.S. Yeah. We don't know specifics, but reports are that she violated sanctions against Iran. What does it all mean for investors? This is a huge story. Huawei is one of the companies... China has a, a program, it's called China 2025, and it basically is China's program to get itself weaned off of Western technology. And, you know, and Huawei is at the very, very center of it. So, this is a massive story. The, the stocks, stocks sold off huge in all over Asia. Um, yeah, this has to do specifically with Huawei breaking, you know, the US sanctions on Iran, but it's a much much bigger story than this. A couple of weeks ago Trump came out and asked uh, our allies to stop using Huawei equipment. Um, you know, there's all the tariff negotiations that are going on now and a lot of people believe that this has something to do with that. I'm not sure that the two are directly linked, but it's definitely linked in the, you know, in in this way. We're no longer letting China get away with things, and so there's a lot of pressure that's being put on China, and you know, in a lot of different areas. A lot of U.S. companies are huge suppliers to Huawei. Neo Photonics, uh, ticker NPTN, has 47 percent of its revenues going to you know is sales to Huawei. Uh, Aclaro, uh, Broadcom, and Phenol. There's a lot of big companies that have you know substantial revenues that go specifically to Huawei. So it's a big deal. So if I'm a U.S. investor and I'm like you know I don't own this stock, yeah. it's privately traded. It sounds like I should be careful before I go out on a limb and say this isn't going to affect me. It sounds like the the, the ripples, especially if it feeds into a U.S. China trade war. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's really it. And and with the U.S. China trade war, and there's really no information now that suggests that this is a direct link. Although the timing is somewhat amazing, right? The fact that it was it happened the same exact day that uh, President Trump was meeting uh, with Prime Prime Minister Xi. Um, but yeah, I, it it puts a whole lot of more pressure on China. And I think that one thing that people maybe don't understand is just how much worse the trade war is for China than it is for the United States. And I think one thing that will happen from this is that China is going to press a whole lot faster to quit being dependent on any Western technologies. Guys, before we get to our next story, I want to mention that support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Because of rising interest rates, there is a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days. It's causing a lot of anxiety with folks. Can we agree that anxiety generally not a good thing? Nobody likes anxiety, Mac. Nobody does. Not well, so much. Well, our 
friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Now, here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. But wait, there's more here. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. Now, here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. How do we feel about win-win? I'm totally pro win-win. Pro win-win, Jason. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going against that. It's like going against apple pie. Thank you. Well, it's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to RocketMortgage.com/fool. Rate showed approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. Okay, guys, let's move on to the exciting world of groceries. And Kroger. We got to talk Kroger, right, Jason? We don't have to talk Kroger. We're going yeah, Kro- are we when, going Krogering? When you say We're exciting, I mean, I immediately go to Publix, and, and you know that. That's that's a concept near and dear to both of our hearts, and I'm sure Publix Bill has some great. experience there. Yes. Yeah, it's. Uh, I love Publix, but I got to say that Kroger. If you haven't gone into Kroger's lately, Kroger, Kroger delivers. They're really nice, they and are. I'm not just saying that because you can mix and match your own six pack with craft beer. I mean that may that may influence my thinking a bit. But back to the story here. Kroger reporting better than expected earnings and revenue. The stock down today, Jason. But you know, lots, everything a lot of stocks. Yeah. Are down. I mean, remember a year, a little bit more than a year ago, we were having a conversation. Conversation as to whether the Amazon acquisition of Whole Foods was going to be a Kroger killer. Um, I argued at the time that it wouldn't be, and I think that's kind of proven to be the case. But the one thing to remember with grocery stores, regardless of the economic climate, it's just a difficult space in which to operate. Uh, because it is such a low margin gain, it really is yeah. all about being that low cost provider in a lot of cases. And now, on top of that, you have to meet your customer on more fronts. It's not always about just going to the grocery store. You got to be able to get those groceries to the customer. And and thankfully for Kroger's sake, they're doing stuff like that. Uh, I found it interesting in the release though that the CEO Rodney McMullen said that uh, we're moving away from being a traditional grocer to being a growth company. Now, I mean, let's not get carried away because like a growther, top, the top line was essentially <laughs> like flat from a year ago. But I, I understand the Your sentiment. neighborhood growther. <laughs> They're offering more than just groceries at this point. Grocery, and and I think that's important. <laughs> Go ahead, you're doing great, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Jason, there appears to be some skepticism about the idea of Kroger as a growth company. Do you think? I'd say that's extremely reasonable when you look at the fact that the top line this year is essentially flat compared to last year. That's not last I heard. Growth companies did grow for a living, but with that said, they are offering more services to their consumers. They're doing very well, I think, on the digital front. Sixty percent growth for the quarter. They've developed a very compelling private label brand called Our Brands Line, and that continues to take more and more share of their stores as folks look for those lower costs to their grocery bill. So, all in all, I mean, I think they're doing a lot of the right things. It's just understanding what you're getting into before you get into it. If you're going to invest in a grocery concept, I mean, you're going to invest in a company that is not going to be growing a whole heck of a lot, no matter what the CEO says. It's a difficult environment, but certainly Kroger is utilizing their scale to navigate the uh, the the waters quite 
Cooley. Yeah, that's right. The grocery industry is basically a knife fight. You know, it's this is an industry where basically any gains that you get come at the expense of uh, you know of one of your competitors and the the irrational and poor you know and poor competitors are a much smaller component of the industry than than they used to be it was a pretty good quarter for Kroger and Kroger was a company that I've been negative on for quite some time just because of the factors in the grocery industry and because of uh, because of Amazon coming in with the Whole Foods acquisition uh, I, I am pretty intrigued by their uh, Teaming up with Walgreens, they're offering a lot of their products through Walgreens. A new project, you know, a new project that they have where you can order online and pick up your groceries at a Walgreens. Uh, so, yeah, it was an okay quarter. I just, you know, I don't, I don't see this as being a grothery though. <laughs> On the Walgreens Trademark. point there too, it's probably worth noting. Last quarter we talked about this though that they're opening up. Uh, distribution to international markets via Alibaba's Tmall platform. Yeah. So, I mean, they are looking at you know new ways to get that distribution outside of just the domestic arena here, and that's admirable. But I mean, I think Bill hit the nail on the head. It's just it's such a tough concept because you just everybody's going to be that low cost provider that of course plays out on profitability. And so, regardless what the CEO says, may they may want to be a growth company, but I mean, you know, the numbers tell the story here. So just be aware. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, let's wrap up with our final story. Netflix paying big, big money to keep the television show Friends through 2019. Netflix paying around $100 million to continue licensing the program from Warner Media. Yeah, it is incredible, it's Bill, because Netflix was paying $30 million for Friends. So, yeah. what A 20-year-old show! Movie? What do we think? Well, I, I I did love that their press release came out and said that the holiday armadillo is uh, you know has a friend you know and that you know they're keeping their friends and that was that was their announcement. This and is that, a, that's a reference to one of their episodes, right? I confess that I did not watch Friends a lot, um, and by a lot I mean much, ever ever really. Oh no, we were we were totally down with Friends. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched a few. I I, I find it generally I, kind of annoying. It's really interesting to me that and and Netflix doesn't break out its data, but Friends has literally skipped to the next generation. I mean, you know, Jason and I were talking before before we were taping. My kid, my girls watch Friends incessantly. It is on in our house all the time. So Netflix doesn't break out its data on usage by program, but this is a big, big deal for them, and it, and it, you know, and and it's you know, and will remain so. Yeah, and it aired from originally from 1994 to 2004. Yeah, so it hasn't been on network for 15 years or so. And I was really skeptical of this deal. It stunk for five years yeah. before that. <laughs> now I was talking to a colleague of ours, and I was a little skeptical. I told her, you know, something to the effect of, "I thought Friends was the most overrated show in television history." You know, oh. just some mild statement like that. Yeah, and and, and I was taking issue with this, and she she basically said. I think you're missing it. That it has huge appeal to millennials. She also thinks that maybe, just maybe, they're testing whether they're going to reboot the show. And so this is almost R and D, a hundred million dollars of R and D for Netflix. We've just clearly hit the age where nobody can come up with a good idea. I mean, they're rebooting. It seems like everything, and the reboots always suck. So you they don't do. want to reboot? No. I mean, I, like, I'm 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 sort of apathetic when it comes to Friends. I mean, I yeah, we did watch it. As a matter of fact, when we were in Egypt from 2002 to Five or something like that. I mean, we had to, you know, put a lot of miles on the DVD players. So I think we had all 
the seasons on DVD. Um, and, are you and, more Joey? Or are you more Chandler? Or are you more Ross? Uh, oh, that sounds like Ross. I don't really. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. You always always feel like you're fighting an uphill battle, right? <laughs> Well, it, but I think it, what it does show, though, is like whether it's Netflix or Amazon or Hulu, that I mean, they're all coming out with their own compelling original content, but they need something to bolster that mindless time where people just want to put something on the TV and they're not sure what they want it to be. So Hulu did it with Seinfeld, right? Yeah. Uh, Netflix did it with The Office, and I think Netflix still has The Office, and I think Seinfeld and The Office and Friends are all similar in that they maintain a fairly stable shelf life. The one thing I found, and I don't know if you, if you feel this way too, I'm far from a prude, so don't get me wrong here, but watching Friends with my daughters now, the level of sexual innuendo in that show is far greater than I ever recall oh, yeah. watching it pre-kids. It's yeah. just kind of sometimes you, you hear these things and they're talking. Because back like, then you were excited about it. How am I going to navigate that one <laughs> no, with the I kids know. after this thing is over? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're not going to they're not going to pay that kind of money if people aren't watching it. I mean, Netflix is renowned for using its data to make decisions, yeah. and you have to tip them, uh, tip the hat for that. Okay, so let let's talk a bit about Netflix before we wrap up here. What's the biggest threat to Netflix? This stock has been so incredible. The company's been on such a tear. But there is a real question of, can Netflix continue to afford to pay this much for content? I mean, I think that the biggest threat for them is what their ultimate pricing power is going to be. And I think a time ago, it was easy to see them performing so well because they were coming out with some fairly compelling original content. I don't find a lot of their content to be really all that good. That's because you're not watching Terrace House. Maybe oh, so, but be that as it may, Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Yeah, so I didn't good. really get into that first. Oh, season, whatever, what, are you but, a witch? Um, <laughs> are you a witch? Do you know about Terrace House? No. Oh, Eric Rideholm, who's one of the co-founders of the Motley Fool, turned me on to Terrace House, and it's a reality show that's set in Japan with six young Japanese people and that you know so it's 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 almost like the bizarro world Jersey Shore just they're sounds kind of like a niche audience they're super maybe polite. I'm wrong no they're super it's polite on to each other. oh it's so great <laughs> it is so great and I'm sure they didn't pay much for it okay sounds so like it would be a Peter Griffin house? Flash not terrorist terrorist okay terrorist okay, okay got yeah. it terrorist house so good Okay. Well, I think now everybody's realized that original content is the name of the game, and a lot of whether it's HBO, Amazon, Cinemax, Showtime, they're all coming out with their their own great original content, and um, that makes me wonder. I mean, at some point, Netflix is gonna hit where they can't really start charging much more for it, yeah, and when they hit right. that point. How are they going to address it? How is that churn of original content going to look then? Um, I don't know the answer. I I just I don't think they can price that thing it, to the it, sky. It feels a little ESPN to me at this moment. Like you think about how much ESPN has had to pay to keep college basketball, to keep football, yeah. to keep a hundred million dollars to keep friends. Seems like it was you know. I'm sure they've done the math, but it also, you know, it seems like it, it was something that they came to the, you know, the realization was not optional for them. Yep. And that would concern me a little bit as a shareholder because where that happens with friends, it is going to happen with other linchpin shows that are not original content. Okay, guys, as we wrap up here, 
time once again for the Never Invest This Way, but it's still kind of fun, <laughs> Desert Island Poll. And let's make it interesting here. Um, I'm going to present you a few different investments and say, if you're on a desert island over the next five years, which one of these are you going with? Okay, We talked about the market, so let's throw the S&P 500. Let's throw an index fund in there. Um, Huawei, which is Bill technically privately traded, but it's private. Okay. But it's private. Yeah. We'll throw it in there. It's own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. S and P five hundred, Huawei, Kroger, or Netflix over oh. the next five years. See, I would have asked this uh, a little bit differently. You, you are you're pretty forward thinking in these questions. I, I thought you might be going with stranded on a desert island. Which cast would you prefer to be stranded with? The cast of Seinfeld, the cast of The Office, or the cast of Friends? Or the ca- okay, we can do that yeah. one too. I would. Okay, I mean, which which one you have? Record, a, you have an answer for that? I want to be. Oh, it's The Office, no question. Is that right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'd go Seinfeld. Really? Because really? I mean, I'm a big Seinfeld guy, but I think you The Office cast is far more dynamic years? and diverse. I thought. I thought That's the Br- point. I yeah. thought the British Office was one of the best television shows ever. I thought the American Office. Was like better than Manimal, but not that much. <laughs> False. The American version of The Office was awesome. Really? Yeah. Uh, does that have a laugh Did track? You... And the British, the British version is darker. Is unreal. But it's Ricky Gervais is so tremendous. But I would He's so good. much rather hang out with the American cast than I would the British cast. And uh, even read... Gareth. And you'd rather hang out with the American cast than like Seinfeld, like with with George and Elaine. Yeah, you don't talk about anything. Ever? Oh, do we talk about anything? Not, not so much. But I mean, I, <laughs> how much the podcast about nothing? <laughs> yeah, I mean the you know the chocolate versus cinnamon babka. How much? How much are you going to do for five years? Okay, okay. So we we've established that. So back to the stock question: S and P, Huawei, Kroger, Netflix. Where are you going with Jason? Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? I I feel like right now, I think I think the Netflix still has some good years ahead of it. And given the pullback in the stock market these days, and Netflix in particular, I think I'd go with Netflix on this one. Okay, and and their CFO is not being extradited. Yes. That's okay. You okay. know, that's a plus. I'm pro extra. I'm pro extradition. <laughs> I mean, I think from this point, given the Chinese determination to internalize as much of their production of uh, telecommunications and networking equipment. You've got one of the biggest promoters in the world in the Chinese government behind Huawei. Wow, the contrarian play, Bill Mann. I like it. It's not necessarily socially, you know. It, it, this <laughs> Everybody needs to know their line. That's, That's all right. that is. Well, this is a good time to mention that marketfoolery at fool.com is our email. So you can send your questions and your comments, your thoughts on the desert island or which friends member you are. Whatever cast you want to hang out. Yeah. (laughs) Bill and Jason, thanks for joining me. Thanks. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Forward. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.